Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I've got a great lineup for you this hour. And uh, to start off in a little while, we're going to have Mr. Greg Bennell from BNN join us. As you know, you can catch Greg on the BNN network. He is the uh, the host of House Money. And a great show and Greg's always uh, fabulous to have on. And uh, a little bit later in the hour, we're going to go off to the West Coast. You normally hear me uh, talk about our one of our guests, Ramana King out there. Well, this week, I actually have the president of the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board joining me, Mr. Phil Moore. And um, we're going to be talking about what is going on in the Vancouver marketplace. All the different taxes that are being uh, uh, pretty much... I would say slam down everybody's throat and it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year for Vancouver. You know, they've got uh, they got a lot more heavy-handed provincial government that is uh, that they're working with. So, um Phil's going to be joining me in a little while. But uh before we get to that, I'm going to talk about what's going on in the marketplace this week. Yep, stats are out in the MLS market when we talk about the GTA, the numbers are down. Now, if you remember, we've been talking about this for a little while that we feel that Pretty much March, uh, April, and May are going to be the ones that are going to be hardest hit. So just over 14%, the prices were down year over year, 2017 to 2018 in March. But the big number, of course, that everybody gets concerned about when they see the headlines is the 40% down on the actual transactions. See, when when you hear headlines in the mar- in, in all the newspapers and you hear them on the channels, it's like they always say, oh, market is down by 40%. You've heard me here time and time again complain about this, the fact that it's kind of misleading. So when we hear about the number of transactions dropping, it doesn't necessarily mean that bottoms drop out of market. A lot of times these are adjustments, people learning to figure out what they want to do. A lot of times you will have buyers, they hop on the fence and they stay there for a little while to see what's going on. Can the prices continue to go down? Well, here's the thing though. The numbers are actually saying the prices are going up if you go today. So from January to February, we saw over 2% increase. From February to March, 2.7% increase. So the market is actually gaining steam this year. But if we always keep going back to the crazy peak of 2017, of course your numbers are gonna be off. And it's gonna take us a little while to catch up. If you, uh, a lot of times people say, hey Todd, do you mind uh, you know, looking into the crystal ball? What are the numbers going to look like? Well, I can tell you, April, I'm going to give you a two in front of the first number. It could be 20%, could be 22 could be 24%. We could be off that much. Um, I'd be surprised if we don't make the 20s on it right now. Based at 14% on March, I'm going to kind of guess that April is going to be a little harder hit year over year because our prices were going through the roof. 2017 April. So again, I'm just going to advise everybody, hang on. It's a little bit of a going to be a rough couple of months. And then we're going to start seeing things normalize a little. And uh, look, at there are opportunities out there. But of course, opportunities are only for those people that are capable and able to go out and get financing. And with everything that's going on there, again, it has gotten a little bit tougher. Remember 2017, we didn't have the same interest rates. We didn't have the stress test. And of course, we did not have the wind government turn around and slam everybody down with this, you know, Fair Housing Act that she decided to throw out. Um, yeah, this week in the news, seems like the Liberal government, they're figuring that, hey, if we don't get elected, we may as well leave everybody with a bad taste in their mouth. And so some of their stuff is going to be implemented in July. 
And so it's going to make it really tough for hopefully our new uh, PC government, if they get elected, to be able to do some changes. And we'll wait and see. We'll see uh, who's going to be the winner. I don't think that we're going to change the tale of the Liberal government. I think they are still going to try to hammer away on things. And uh, I don't know. It's up to you to decide if you've had enough. And only you can decide who you want to have as your government. Um, myself, of course, I don't like it when people come and play in our backyard of real estate and try to force things down people's throat. I think naturally our market would have adjusted, throwing the Bank of Canada change and some of the stress tests, we'd probably have a much more normalized market in place as opposed to, you know, what some people are experiencing. As, uh, as most of you know, uh, we started out a section uh, pretty much at the beginning of the year that, you know, people could turn around and send me an email, Todd at the Simple Investor. Dot com And um, this week's email uh, actually comes from Mike. And it says, Hi, Todd. Been listening to Simply Real Estate for a while now. Great show. Wondering if you wanted to talk about if it's worth taking on higher interest rates in order to acquire additional housing in Toronto. Basically, to expand on this briefly, I currently have a rental property and a primary residence. The rental co- covers thinly the cost to keep the house. Splitting the house into multiple rentals would likely yield better profit margins. The primary residence has a basement apartment that can also be rented, currently not. There is now another house that I'm 50% owner in, an estate house. To take 100% ownership, I would need to come up with 400 k in my current situation. A traditional mortgage will not work with government regulations. Got to really emphasize that, government regulations. However, I could get approved for about 6% interest with a private lender. So not cheap, but would allow me to keep three properties. Okay, Mike, listen, um, I, I, I do want to touch in on this because this is, this is not just your question. A lot of people have been throwing this out there. And, and by the way, thanks so much for the email because this is, this is a really good one for this week because we're talking about the government intervention and how it's making it harder for people to own multiple properties. And, you know, it's interesting because in today's marketplace, we're, we're, we're doing a dance. Um, so in your situation, you know, yeah, you get a, an alternative lender comes in at 6%. So you're not going to cash flow. We know that. So how much money can you afford to lose? And remember, you're normally dealing with after tax dollars. And yes, I know you can write down a loss on your investment property. But at the same time, this is this is money coming out of your pocket to carry it. So talking about a 6% interest rate at today's values and today's rent rates, you know, almost impossible for anybody to cash flow. So then what we've got to talk about is the property that you're referring to, this house. Is it in a marketplace that it makes sense that it's going to go up more in value? So you mentioned about 400K. So you're talking about a property, let's say, if, if you're really paying value for value, you're, it's worth 800000 so first and foremost, not a lot of detached houses kicking around 800. So maybe it's a little bit older, more of a wartime style, you know, home that maybe the lot is going to be worth, you know, the money in the long run. Are you in a good area, good neighborhood? Uh, you know, what kind of sales are around this house? And when you say it's an estate house, how much work are you going to have to do to this property to get it rent ready? So these are a couple of things you want to think about. Now, if you decided to sell the one rental property, the one that you're saying you're just kind of getting buy on, well, if you're in a positive cash flow situation and you've owned this rental property for a long period of time, here's the problem, is that you're now in the position of capital gains when you go to sell this one. So unless it was your primary uh, residence once upon a time, you're, you're going to get nailed with that. And then, of course, the fees to sell it. So maybe you don't sell that one, but... Do you have room in the equity on that property 
to potentially do a refinance, pull some equity out of that one, maybe put a larger down payment on the, on the one that you're trying to acquire. And this is where you have to start working out the numbers, which one is going to work best. So when we take a look at investment properties, and one of the things, piece of advice I'd love to give everybody is the fact that you've got to remember you're paying down your mortgage. Your tenant pays down your mortgage if you're doing this right. Every five years, you should probably be reducing your mortgage between 15 and 20% every five years. So Mike, if you've owned that first one for a long period of time, you might have some equity there you can play with. It might make it a little bit more affordable for you to grab the other one. And you know, my, my thing always is if you can hang on to it long-term, if your job is secure enough, because remember life happens, then you may want to consider you know, is it better to sell one? Is it better to buy that one? And if you're, if you're really cash out of pocket too much, then I would caution you in doing it. Um, you know what, maybe you work out a deal where you buy it and you sell it in the open market and maybe you make a little bit of money on it. So, you know what, make sure you get a good appraisal, figure it out and make sure the condition is in good shape because you do not want to be out of pocket going into it when you're already in a negative. Anyways, thanks for the email, Mike. And remember, uh, if you have a question, you want me to read it on the air, you can reach me, Todd, at thesimpleinvestor.com. Hey, speaking of The Simple Investor, um, as everybody knew, uh, about a month ago, we had uh, our release. We were releasing our townhomes. Still got a couple left that I just uh, decided that we'd get rid of uh, a few of uh, one part of this release. So we've got a few left. If you're interested, go to the simpleinvestor.com. You can download our brochure and find out more about it. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Everybody's going to be closing real soon and uh, you end up owning an investment property that does positive cash flow and it's uh, quite affordable. So remember, go to the simpleinvestor.com to find out more. So one of the things, like I said, uh, about the marketplace where we're sitting, you know, you'll, you'll hear me vent about the government. Again, I think they should stay out of it um, a little bit later in the hour. We're going to be talking to the president of the real estate board uh, in the greater Vancouver area. And we're going to talk about some of the things that is happening there with the provincial government. How much are they stepping on everyone's toes? You know, right now they're looking at increasing the foreign buyer tax 20%. That's where they're going from 15 to 20. On top of that, if you own a vacation property, and you are out of province. So if you lived in Alberta, if you live in Ontario, you own in the uh, in some parts of the uh, BC area, you're going to be taxed on that as well. That's right. They seem to be going at it at all directions. One thing I would caution the Ontario government here is not to do that. You know, we've got the Muskokas. Everybody loves vacation properties. Corthus, Muskokas, all along the Great Lakes. And uh, you know what? Just leave well enough alone. We, uh, we don't mind having people in these marketplaces. They are not creating havoc and they do pay taxes and they are good for our uh, tourism and economy. So um, you know what? It would be nice if, uh, if we could have a good conversation with some of our political figures and maybe give them a bit of education on real estate. They seem to be lacking a lot of it. So uh, up after the break, as I mentioned, somebody that really does know real estate, real professional in the industry, understanding it all and able to help me break it down is Greg Bennell from BNN. He'll be joining me right after this. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. As I had alluded to just before the break, 
My next guest, returning guest, Mr. Greg Bennell from BNN. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. And uh, welcome back, Greg. Always great to be here, Todd. So, um, you know, you you and I haven't spoken in a little while. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things that have happened. Since are you, are you we sure? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. In the last few months, has really anything happened in the real estate market, in the government's world, or anything? I, mean, <laughs> I think they're, I think they're uh, watching now to see what happened. And uh, it's interesting because we have those first quarter numbers in from tr- the Toronto market we've got january february march under our belts and it's pretty clear now that that uh the idea that all that activity anyone who was on the sidelines thinking i want to buy a house they were pretty wise to the fact that once those new mortgage rules hit they were going to get qualifying for a lot less house than before they went in pretty significantly and now we've seen the after effect on the other side it's been a pretty soft first quarter for home sales in Toronto and Vancouver. Of course, these are the two most expensive markets, so everyone's watching now to try to figure out what happens. It's springtime. I may not feel like it right now, but it is springtime. There's open houses. I've been walking through a few of them in my neighborhood. Does it heat up? Do people actually start buying again? Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things that I, uh, when, when analyzing the numbers, so as you mentioned, our first quarter numbers are in. Um, right now, prices, they're saying in general, off 14% year over year. Uh, but here's the other thing with the new rules, you're actually qualifying for about 20% less mortgage. So you haven't caught up yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, know, you definitely haven't caught up those single family homes. What's interesting too, is that there's that real tale of uh, two kind of markets within these big cities in Toronto in particular, Vancouver's feeling it too. You look at the price appreciation, it's all in the condos, the single family homes, which of course everyone was at that fever pitch trying to get their hands on. In the past couple of years, that's that's where the prices are down year over year. But condos, they're up quite healthily. And, and it makes a lot of sense. You and I have talked about this before. If these markets become so expensive that you can't afford a single-family home, you may, or maybe you were barely getting yourself into one of those single-family homes before the new mortgage rules come in and cut your purchasing power 18 to 22%, pretty much the condo is the last place you can afford to play. So it, that seems to be playing out as well. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, caught some of the articles out in the ether recently, but um, some of the builders are now starting to recognize the fact that they need to big, be building bigger condos. And so we're starting to hear builders releasing, you know, bigger twos, bigger three bedrooms, you know, a little bit more option because they're thinking that, you know, families are going to be the wave of the future for a lot of these condos. Oh, yeah, that whole 450 square feet is not going to work anymore because that, that old model was based on the fact that a young woman, young guy wants to get into real estate, they get their first place. It's 450 square feet. There's barely any room to breathe. It doesn't matter. You're living your life out in the city. You're young. But, yeah, then you get a partner, and then you get married, and you have some kids, and that's not going to cut it. So, yeah, this idea, and that makes a lot of sense too. And there's a real push that I know in Vancouver – it almost felt like the political leaders there at the, at the city level had sort of given up the game and said, you know what, in the future of this city, probably if you're just one of those median average income earners and you still want to stay in the city, you're probably going to be a renter or maybe you're going to live in a condo. You're probably not going to buy the house. So, yeah, developers are definitely starting to think, what do we need to do? What do we need to offer the two, the three-bedroom condo, that kind of thing? So at least, I mean, I lived in a three-bedroom condo up until my kids were four and they were two. The third bedroom, it was a bit of a stretch to call it a bedroom. It was good enough for a crib, for a baby. Sure. Uh, the kids are almost my size now. That wouldn't have, uh, that wouldn't have lasted. So that's why we <laughs> had to get out. Yeah. And for those of you, uh, you know, since if you don't tune in uh, to BNN and watch, uh, watch 
uh, Greg on House Bunny. Uh, he's a rather tall guy, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bit of, I got a bit of a wingspan. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, a couple of things, obviously, that uh, you and I need to talk about. Um, you know, and, 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 and I do want to delve into the Vancouver market and a lot of changes out there, but I don't want to go there quite yet. Um, I do want to, you know, still kind of drill down 2017 a little because, because now we've got the numbers. You know, uh, a news release, you and I actually talked about Last year, this time, was that when you you and I were saying March 2017 increase 33 percent uh, over 2016. And, you know, it was just for, for us, it's like, you know, you could feel the feverish pitch, you know, where, we're, you know, we'll wait for the April numbers to come through. Um, right now, with with March saying it's fourteen, I'm I, I'm trying to put on my my crystal ball, you know, my my magic hat, and say that I actually think the numbers are going to get worse before they get better, and uh, I think we're you know April could look into around twenty percent year over year decline. What do you think? Yeah, that's definitely uh, when you take a look at the math and you look at the numbers. April was when we just hit the, in, in terms of price that peak last year. March was a very hot month, and then April just exploded. So when we do that year-over-year comparison, a month from now when we're talking about these numbers, the headlines that everyone's going to see in the newspapers are home prices are down. It could be 20%. Uh, the thing to remember about that, and, and it's it's valid to look at numbers year-over-year. That's sort of the industry standard. It's, it's the standard in a lot of sort of uh, business reporting, too, to look at year-over-year comparisons. But in terms of that price having dropped, that 20% drop or whatever the number ends up being, that happened several months ago. We've been sort of – we bottomed out. And now, actually, if you look at the month-over-month price appreciation in Toronto, it's going up 1% or 2% a month. It's stabilized. It took that huge dump to the bottom through last summer in the the wake of all the regulations from the Ontario government. And then it just sort of evened out. And it's creeping a little bit higher. It's it's, it's small incremental. But, yeah, so people need to keep that in mind in terms of if they're trying to make the right informed decision about where they want to be a buyer, where they want to be on on the sidelines. The headline will be jarring. The headline will be true. There's nothing false about the math. But that big price drop, it's already happened. It's behind us. Yeah. Um, when when we take a look at, uh, you know, the government intervention. <laughs> I know. Um, my favorite topic of yours. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and, and I know we're going to go to a break in a minute. But... Um, what, what do you think of this spring so far? You know, like we, we, we still hear, hear a lot of little threatening undertones in the market and what they want to do. I mean, you know, even right down to the condominium acts and everything else. I mean, they're, they, they still don't want to let it go. Yeah, in Ontario, it's an interesting time, obviously, because we're heading into an election campaign. There's going to be a vote in June. Uh, for people who are familiar with Ontario politics, of course, you know that uh, Premier Wynn is on the back foot. It looks like it's going to be quite a slog. The budget had a lot of... Uh, pre-election goodies in it. What did they start saying on the on the campaign trail about the housing market? What will uh, Doug Ford have to say about it? What will Kathleen Wynne, Andrew Horvath? It, it, it could be an interesting climate in the middle of all of this to hear three political leaders who want to be the premier of Ontario and what they would do about housing. So there could be a lot of intrigue to come. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they're going to solve the housing problem. I mean, you know, they. I. I don't even know if. And 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 I'll. I'll just stick to the the current existing government. I don't think they took enough time to figure this out in the first place. Oh, that was the thing, right? I was talking to some people with knowledge of where the government's head was, uh, several months before they came out with the, their plan last April. And they were almost adamant to me. They said, "Guess what we're going to do?" And I said, "You're just going to copy Vancouver and bring in a." 
a foreign buyer tax like the BC government did. And they're like, no, 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 you're way off, man. You're way off. These are all like off the record discussions with people with knowledge of matters. And then when the plan finally came out, it was like, yeah, you just copied them. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, Greg, I'm going to go to a quick break. Stay with me, okay? And uh, when we come back, folks, we've got more with Greg Bennell from BNN. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Mr. Greg Bennell from BNN. Uh, House Money, don't forget, you got to tune in. Uh, Greg, just, uh, I always, Tuesday's 5.30 or 5 o'clock? Uh, Tuesday's at 5 o'clock. It used to five. be 5.30, so you remember the old time, too. It's 5 o'clock. <laughs> Gee, I'm not getting that old. Good. <laughs> All righty. Um, listen, just before the break, you and I were talking about, uh, you know, government budgets. Um, when, you, when you analyze the budget, did you see anything that's a little precarious that, you know, will reflect into... Uh, the real estate market? Uh, the interesting thing about it, and they didn't seem to touch on the real estate question all that much after they, they pulled the trigger in a big way a year ago, but the, the fact that the government is going back into deficit and in a time when the economy is strong and there's the, all, all the kind of inputs that feed into a healthy housing market in terms of, they say, immigration inflows are strong, job creation is strong, the economy is doing well. So it's curious that they would go back into deficits for several years. I think there's six years of deficits now planned before they can get back in the black after finally getting into the black in a time when the economy is strong. So it's a sort of a weird calculation to have over in one corner. And then, of course, the importance of what has been the importance of the, the housing economy to the province, to the country, all the moves that we've seen there and the pullback we've seen. It's sort of an, it's an interesting bit of chemistry, an, an engineered slowdown in the housing market and a deliberate path back into deficit spending Maybe the two of those at some point meet, and it's it's not a great meeting. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's going to be kind of a rocky road, and I don't know if a different government uh, that gets elected, which you know, (laughs) everybody knows my vote right now. It's quite a possibility. (laughs) Um, But I don't know if they can unwind. Uh, a lot of what's happened. I mean, you know, do do you think that somebody can come in, uh, take out the foreign buyer tax, you know, change the rent control, or do you do you think everybody's just going to leave this in place because they see this as tax generation? And when it comes down to rent control, you and I both know, you know, historically what rent control does to people. Yes, I understand that a lot of our our tenants that are listening right now are saying, yeah, but I don't want my rents going through the roof. Yes, but you'd like your water to work because your landlord can't afford to do certain things because now they're mandating owners to do even more. Um, you know, so, so reality, you know, this is the thing. Can anybody undo what has been done? I mean, a new premier could conceivably come in and shake things up, but then I, I, I agree with you. Why would they? The other guys did that. They're the bad guys. Let them wear it. But at the same time, uh, we have other priorities on our plate. They don't want to go in and undo it. It might, you say, be uh, uh, advantageous to the province for the amount of revenue coming in in certain areas. So just leave it alone. But you can still say, they're the ones who did that to you, not us. I mean, you, when, you, when you get into politics, I used to cover politics, and it's, uh, it can be pretty interesting in, in terms of why they do things and who they blame for the things that we have right now that we're not happy with. Well, you know, it's like the double land transfer tax in Toronto that was introduced, you know, and, and, and I, I, I thought that they had an expiry date on that, um, but apparently not. And why so, would you undo it, right? There's revenue coming into the city that they need, and you can blame it on the former people, but say now we have other fish to fry, so we're not going to worry about that. Yeah, but even that, you know, there 
there was a note that that is down because prices are down and volume is down and all because of, you know, again, looking at this Fair Housing Act that got implemented. You know, it, it, it's kind of funny. The, the government is looking for more taxes, they, but yet they want to attack the people that, you know, their equity was built up in their homes. And right now, some people are looking at a loss of equity, even if it's 5 or 10%. You know, they may not be so quick to move. So what does that do? Hurts our inventory. So then we don't have enough inventory coming out because we don't have enough people downsizing. So, you know, it, it's kind of a vicious, a vicious cycle that just keeps repeating itself. Yeah, it's like uh, you often see it in the stock market and, and any other kind of asset too, right? We're terrible at keeping things on a nice, healthy, even pace. Either we're exploding in growth or we're coming crashing down the other way. And a lot of people I've talked to said, even though they're the real estate industry, they weren't happy necessarily with the measures that were taken at the Ontario level, the BC level, at the federal level. But they said a lot of the stuff in here makes sense. It should have been there all along. It was it was finally at a crisis point where people are saying, listen, this market's going to implode if it keeps going on at this strength, at this heat. So now we got to come in and, and pull all these levers. I think a lot of people said it was more the timing that they didn't like. If, if some of these rules had been in place already, if those stress tests had just been the norm, then we wouldn't have had this huge threat in the fact that things could have imploded. I think that was the real weird fear at the political level that – If we keep on this pace of 30% price gains year over year, if it gets hotter and hotter, it's not going to end well. And you you take a look at any kind of asset in the stock markets and housing markets, we don't seem to be able to just go along a nice healthy path of 5% to 7%, you know, asset price appreciation. If we did that every year without crashes and without booms, we'd probably all just get rich in a very nice gradual pace. But we we just can't seem to figure out how to to lever the machine. We got to explode and we got to collapse. So new government, provincial government out in BC, what do you, what's your take on what they're doing? Because I, I have to tell you, I, I do have my concerns, you know, they're, they're jumping up and down with more taxes and then starting to tax people that own investment, like not even investment properties, vacation properties, but don't live in the uh, province of British Columbia. Yeah, definitely. When people think about money coming in from other places, they, they like to think of the foreigner, the other, the person they don't know. And BC is an interesting example because as soon as they started talking about these things, people said, well, wait a minute, I just live across the border in Alberta. I am not the unknown. You know me. I come here every summer for a vacation property. So I can see why those people are are hopping and steaming and saying this doesn't make any sense. I, I think it's the same kind of thing. This is a government that got in largely on a campaign where real estate was a hot button issue. They didn't want the status quo that they had had under Christy Clark. What I'm really uh, interested in seeing from this government, and I thought it was supposed to come by the end of March, but I haven't seen it yet, is their big report on money laundering. They do seem to have a problem there. Now, right now, they're focused on the casinos and the way that money's being laundered from there. Because we know that China has these tight currency controls. And so it never made sense. It's like, well, if you're only allowed to bring out so much money, then why are you worried about these multi-million dollar homes, these fancy cars and everything? But apparently there's some shenanigans at the casino level that the Attorney General David Eby is trying to go after, and then they're going to ex- expand that uh, to the housing level. It's the yeah. kind of thing where there's already laws and rules in place, and people shouldn't be laundering money through real estate, shouldn't be laundering it through casinos. We know it happens, and it's the kind of thing where they're they're trying to clamp down on it. Is that sense? I think that's where everything starts to get off kilter. Prices start to go 
higher. People can't afford to live there. They hear about criminality. They get angry. Not everyone's playing. I think we all just want to play by the same fair rules. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the foreign buyer tax because, you know, they, they threw out the 15% back in August 2016. You know, it hit the market pretty hard. Um, they, they wobbled for about eight months and then they started gaining steam last year. You know, they started to build back their market as of, you know, pretty much uh, turning into the new year. They were very strong. So now they've decided that they're going to go to 20% instead of 15. Is this is this just going to be a thing where until people stop paying it, they're going to keep elevating it? Yeah, just keep chasing it and chasing it to see if you can get the outcome that you want. And we've talked about this before, and a lot of people that I talk to, they think in the end, if you're trying to target someone with deep, like you know, multi-million dollar deep pockets overseas looking to park their cash in Canada, they're not thrilled by a 15% tax. They won't be thrilled by a 20% tax, but if they really want to put their money in Canada for the reasons we think they do, the whole safe haven, the appreciation, at least the preservation of their capital, that'll just be the cost of doing business. It always seems to be the psychological effect for everyone else who's already in the market. Once a government makes a move like a 15% tax or if they raise it to a 20%, all the local players say, I don't know what this means. If, <laughs> what's going to happen to prices? I shouldn't probably participate right now and they, you get the, exactly the cycle that we saw. They stay at the sidelines for a couple of months, they try to figure it out, they put their toe back in the water, then everything starts picking up again. So uh, last but not least, China's Amazon starting to sell Canadian real estate. <laughs> what do you think as, of that? As easy as a click. Now, this was interesting. I was looking into this because that becomes the, the fear and the headline there, right? Like, you kidding me? Canadian homes will just be a click away overseas or you just go on and, and think. And, and everyone delves into it and said, yeah, there might be some marketing happening at, at the online level and even through the e-commerce portal level where you say, I'd, I'd like to buy this. But in the end, real estate is real estate. The transactions go down the way that they go down and it won't be as easy as just, you know, buying a pair of shoes or like me, <laughs> I, I buy I buy a new neck for my one of my guitars and they just send it to me two weeks later. There's still going to be a process. But the, the concern is, of course, as we have all these efforts, I guess, domestically, to try to dissuade foreigners from parking their cash here and keeping us out of the housing market. Suddenly you see these uh, marketing and e-commerce campaigns overseas, and you're like, oh, what, what kind of activity is this going to stir up? Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's always it's good for headlines, though, you know, when you start seeing this stuff, and, and it does get people excited. Oh, definitely. Very excited. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still amazed at the amount of passion that people have for real estate. I, I've told you this before. Sometimes I'll go somewhere and someone will strike up a conversation with me, a perfect stranger about real estate, and I thought, oh, they recognize me from BNN. They have no idea who I am. They just want to talk about real estate. <laughs> it's still the hottest topic. Hey, listen, Greg, always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, for our listeners, remember, you can always catch Greg on the BNN Network and House Money. It's at 5 o'clock on Tuesdays. So thanks so much for joining me once again. Always oh, great to be here. Excellent. Folks, that was Greg Bennell. And hey, listen, stay put. I've got Phil Moore, president of the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board, joining me right after this. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before we went to the break, uh, my next guest uh, is all, all the way from the West Coast, and it is Mr. Phil Moore, and he is president of the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board. And uh, Phil, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show because being the president of, uh, of a real estate board, you know, it's a, I don't know if many people understand the whole process, but you've been, you've been part of the association for quite a few years now. Is that correct? Well, I've been a realtor for 29 years, and it started about eight years ago when I decided to give back to my industry. 
I um, sat on the board of directors now for eight years. I've served as the vice president and the president-elect, and I've just began my one-year term as president. Excellent. Well, congratulations. You know, it's uh, it's a very admirable uh, uh, position for you to hold and uh, and one that's very important because I think that, uh, you know, you can become a voice definitely of a real estate community. And and speaking of, you know, you are you're, you're kind of uh, heading up one of the most popular talked about real estate areas in the world i mean vancouver is constantly in the news you know world round and talking about what's going on can you tell us uh you know what is the market doing right now um you know we're just coming into the spring market um is your market starting to 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 show some life or has it just always been you know pretty steady it's almost like a tale of two markets we have the townhouse and condo market, which is on fire, and we have the detached market, which is a lot slower than we've seen on years go by. We have on our detached section, we've got quite high prices. And so the combination of high prices, new tax announcements with our provincial taxes, rising interest rates, and then stricter mortgage requirements, they've affected the buying power. And so the detached section is almost like a balanced market now um, where listings to sales ratio is almost equal for both a buyer and a seller. However, the condo market and the attached market is being driven by first-time buyers. And it's driven because of price. So it's really a price-conscious market. When we talk about the Vancouver real estate market, one of the biggest things, of course, in the Canadian real estate world, of course, was the fact that you had the first introduction of a foreign buyer tax in August 2016. And yet your marketplace, you know, at the time, you you know, when we look at the stats, look at the numbers, and and I talked to some of your fellow realtors there, they felt that the market was almost self-adjusting, you know, around that May-June area that... The idea of the foreign buyer tax may not have, you know, been necessary, but yet, you know, very, very little intro to it, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, implemented within two weeks. Um, do, you, do you feel that, you know, from a, from a realtor's perspective, do you feel that it was necessary at the time to cool your market? It was definitely, like you said, it was self-adjusting. Uh, we've Since then, we've had three rises in the interest rates. We were getting more supply coming on the market. There was a slowdown of money coming out of China, and we could see the market slowing down. Um, it created August 2016. It created uh, almost the market to halt when you're talking about properties that were $2.5 million and above. Um, and... Since then, we've slowly seen a little bit of an increase of activity, um, but that's the part of Vancouver that definitely got hit the hardest. Phil, the the recent change in your government, of course, um, they're still they're still putting a lot of pressure into the real estate market. You know, a lot of people are talking about affordabilities and things like that. But now, as you had uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, is there's some new introductions, some new taxes that are coming through. One of them being the fact that they want to increase your foreign buyer tax from 15 to 20 percent. Is this sensical? Is it, are they getting to the point where they just want to eventually price foreign ownership out of your marketplace? They're driving less demand for those higher prices, but people are now investing into the lower price range. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing uh, the condo market, uh, which is, say, is 750000 below. That's where they're parking their money because they're getting less hit with that foreign national tax. So it's less of an impact. So they're moving from 
what was the west side of Vancouver, $3 million and above. And they've now moved in to the condo market, and the condo market is taking some great leaps and bounds as far as price. And so it's kind of having a reverse effect as what they were hoping for. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, I know that, and, and not to, to put you ever on the spot about talking about your government, but a lot of governments, I don't think, truly understand real estate. You know, if, they, if, they, if, if all the government officials could actually become realtors, it would be a heck of a lot better. So maybe they have a better understanding. But w- when, when we take a look at the big picture, you know, right now, you know, looking at the numbers, you know, the idea of implementing that tax to people that are Canadians but owning vacation properties but don't pay, t- you know, their, their, their income tax in B.C., you know, uh, I know a lot of people in Alberta are up in arms with the idea that that could happen, and it's a fairly healthy tax that they want to go after for all these people that own vacation properties. Correct, and they call it a speculative tax, but it isn't speculative in the sense it's it's more for vacant home. And Vancouver implemented a vacant home tax. The municipality of Vancouver did just because we had so many condos that were sitting empty, owned overseas or owned by by people that were leaving them empty, and we wanted to encourage the rental market. But this is a little different. This is this is mom and pop that have a little vacation home, uh, summer cottage, and they just use it for the family during summertime. And now they're looking at a big tax jump, and some of these people are on fixed income. They're pensioners, and this has been a family home, and they're going to be hit hard. And it has really nothing to do with speculation. Folks, if you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Mr. Phil Moore. He is president of the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board, and he's joining me from uh, British Columbia right now. And, and Phil, you know, one of, one of the things that, you know, if you've been following the Ontario market, which I'm sure you do as well, um, you know, we've, we've kind of tried to follow suit. Last year, uh, we implemented a much more aggressive foreign buyer tax, the same percentage. But, you know, the Fair Housing Act that was implemented also included rent controls and all sorts of things. Are you finding that your rental market is to the point, uh, you know, what are, what are you running as far as a vacancy right now? It's right now it's 004 Wow. There was close to 50,000 or five, sorry, 5,000 students at University of British Columbia the start of the year that had no place to live. They're just, they're just, people are coming here and they're coming here in record numbers and there isn't enough accommodation. One of the problems is, is that to build a building, the red tape takes three years before you even start construction. So the cities are taking that long to implement the building permit stage. And then, of course, you're looking at two to three years for construction. When we're seeing a boom and a demand for the condos, we're looking at supplementing it six years out. And that's one of the issues. It's just the government. And, of course, the longer the developer holds onto the property in Vancouver, the higher the cost is. And that cost is making the product even more expensive. So that's one of the issues. Is there a solution? I mean, you know, you and I can talk about getting rid of red tape. We, we, we struggle with the same thing here in the GTA, the greater Toronto area. You know, um, most of the developers, some of them are even giving up um, where, you know, they, they give people back deposits and say, look, it, we're, we can't build. We've been delayed so long by the provincial or, or you know, municipalities that they just give back, give back the people's deposits and say, look, it, you know, maybe we'll take a run at it again. So are, are, is there any solution in your marketplace for this? Like if, if you were to able, if you were able to give the government a plan on how to deal with your real estate market, what would be your advice? Well, they've done a great job in building town centers around SkyTrain stations. 
we've got 80 miles of an elevated rapid transit with 500,000 users per day. So they've done a great job on rezoning. It's just the municipalities and the length of time to approve that permit that's hurting us. They're doing something very creative. They're going to take a line that goes right through the middle of the city and out to the university. The government's building the elevated rapid transit line, and then they're rezoning areas, and they're telling developers, okay, you need to build the station. So they're getting creative. We're going much taller, but it's just the length of time. And anything to approve a building permit longer than a year is just not acceptable. We struggle with the same problem. You know, once upon a time, the Vancouver and the Toronto real estate market were always on opposite, polar opposites. You know, um, back in the 80s, when, yeah. when you know, the Toronto market was taking off, Vancouver was going down, and, and it stayed down there for a long time. Now we're running a little bit more of a parallel. I think, I think we're about, you know, 9 to 12 months removed from your marketplace, but we're, right now, everybody is looking to, you know, BC and Vancouver as kind of the telltale of where Toronto is going to be. I totally agree with you. You're about one year behind us. The only difference is this Vancouver is surrounded by mountains and ocean, and we're running out of land. Our inventory, like the demand for condos, our inventory is just not there. We've got a development that is 30 minutes outside of Vancouver in a city called Newest Minister, and the developer uh, was building two high-rise towers and 400 suites, and 4,000 people registered to buy those 400 suites. Wow. Phil, it's been a real pleasure having you on today's show, and I thank you, and I definitely want to stay in touch so we can keep finding out what is going on in the market in Vancouver. Yeah, thank you for having me. Anytime. Thank you so much. So it was great to have Phil Moore on. Uh, he's the president of the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board, as well, Greg Bennell from BNN. Always a pleasure to have Greg's perspective on things. You know what? We've got that provincial uh, election in you know, looming over our heads. Are we going to get a change in the real estate market? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Remember, June is the time. That's the deadline. The countdown has begun. Let's wait and see what's going to go on there. Hey, listen, I want to thank Nick, Andre, and Ian for making sure that the show is made simple every single week for me. I want to thank you for tuning in, of course, and I'll be back next week at Saturday at 3 p.m. As usual, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.